So, David, you do admit that UFOs exist. Well, what does UFO mean? It means unidentified flying object. It's different than intelligent alien species from another country. And yet another one of these UFOs has been shot down by the United States. Increasingly, the question is, what exactly are these? The latest claim is they are in the balloon category generally similar to that first surveillance balloon believed to be from China that was shot down off the coast of South Carolina, but not exactly the same. And it is still early days and we are trying to gather information. So let's go to what we know and what took place. CNN reporting on Saturday, U.S. jet shoots down unidentified object over northern Canada. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Saturday an unidentified object had been shot down by a U.S. fighter jet over Canadian airspace on his orders. I ordered the takedown of an unidentified object that violated Canadian airspace. NORAD command shot down the object over the Yukon. Canadian and U.S. aircraft were scrambled and a U.S. F-22 successfully fired at the object. The object is being described as cylindrical and smaller than the suspected Chinese balloon shot down last weekend, according to Canadian Defense Minister Anina Anand. Later Saturday, the White House confirmed Trudeau and Joe Biden authorized the shoot down, and the Pentagon said the object was first spotted over Alaska on Friday evening. Immediately, questions about was this the same thing or not? Was it in the category? Is balloon the right word? Here is what Senator Chuck Schumer said after being briefed by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Until they get that comprehensive analysis, however, we have to look at each balloon individually were these and see what Friday this and Saturday night? They believe they were, yes, uh, but much smaller than the, uh, than the one, the first one. Both of those, one over Canada, one over Alaska, were at 40,000 feet. Immediately it was determined that that's a danger to commercial aircraft. Which So um, there are uh, sort of conspiracy types who are saying, wait a second, cylindrical object is very different than balloon. Everybody is lying to us Uh, right now. I have no reason in particular to think anybody is lying to us, but we do need more information. Of course, we also have now been presented with the claim from China that the United States has done the exact same thing 10 times. There is a CNN article from this morning. China accuses U.S of illegally flying balloons across its airspace. China has accused the U.S. of illegally flying high altitude balloons into its airspace more than 10 times since January 2022, claims that drew an immediate rebuttal from the White House. We'll hear that rebuttal in a moment as bilateral tensions flare in the fallout from the Chinese balloon that was shot down by American fighter jets after traveling across the continental U.S. Let's look at a clip here of the National Security Council's John Kirby, very clearly just denying that the U.S. does the same thing. Take a listen. And I believe we have the clip here. Do we have the clip? Let's see. I love having clips. Jing, just in the last hour or two, the foreign ministry there has accused the United States since the start of 2022 of flying balloons uh, 10 different times over Chinese airspace. Can you uh, respond to that accusation? Not true. Not doing it. Just absolutely not true. 
So the U.S., let me just push you a little further then. So the U.S. is not using these balloons technologies at all over China? That is right. We are not flying balloons uh, over China. That is absolutely true. Now, understand, whenever such a statement is made, in colloquial language, we would say this is a complete denial. If you want to play these cynical games, which are very often accurate, right? I mean, we, we call them games, but there's a reason we play them when he's there's a couple of critical words there, balloons and over China, his statement. And I hate that this is the way stuff is communicated these days. I am not arguing that such a thing is or isn't taking place. His statement is balloons aren't being flown over China. Could balloons be flown off the coast of China and he wouldn't be lying? Yeah. Could there be something other than a balloon flown over China and he wouldn't be lying? Yeah. So, again, you always want to pay really close attention to the language that's being used. I'm not suggesting one thing or the other. We're just kind of parsing through it. Okay. And then lastly, then just as will there be will that viewpoint be expressed directly to Beijing beyond here on the friendly confines of Morning Joe? Uh, When when do the next conversation start between Washington and Beijing over a matter that's clearly inflaming tensions between the two countries? Well, two points there, Jonathan. First of all, we still have diplomatic relations with China. We still have an embassy there. It's not like all communications between us and the PRC have shut down. Uh, Obviously, there are certain vehicles like military to military vehicles, which are not open to us right now. And that's unfortunate. Uh, But we do have the ability to communicate directly with uh, Chinese leaders. And we have. Okay, so relations are still ongoing, although Kirby says we are absolutely not doing the same thing. So a couple different things going on here. Number one, uh, do we do we want to and should we figure out what exactly these uh, Um, uh, unidentified flying objects are. Of course, we should. Is it likely that at this point official sources know more than they are saying publicly? Absolutely. Is it likely that the U.S. is doing equivalent surveillance in China to what China is doing in the U.S.? Of course, it might just take different forms. This is what countries do. It applies to Russia. It applies to many different countries. And lastly, at this time, do you have any reason to believe that these are intelligent aliens? We do not. And of course, I am mathematically and statistically open to the possibility of intelligent life out there in the universe. Do I believe it is this these these objects that represent that? I have no reason whatsoever to believe that that's the case. Solar power is suddenly awesome on Fox News now that these Chinese balloons are being asserted without evidence to have extraordinarily advanced solar power capabilities. This is so fun. These Fox News people are so predictable and and it's so funny in a way if it weren't so sad. Once again, Fox News propagandist Maria Bartiromo is starting to talk about solar panels. And in the context of the Chinese balloons, she again brought up this is now the second weekend in a row that Maria brings up. They are getting unlimited power from these solar panels. They have unlimited energy. Wow. If if now solar panels represent not some woke distraction from burning fossil fuels, but rather unlimited energy, Seems like we should be taking solar more seriously in the U.S., don't you think? Here's Maria Bartiromo yesterday. What is the CCP up to? Is this a test? And by the way, I've learned over the weekend that these balloons, the largest one that, you know, you could fit three buses in it that was shot down uh, over South Carolina last Saturday, that balloon was able to snap images of our military installations and send them back to China 
in live time. So what John Ratcliffe told us last week was spot on. They were using solar panels for unlimited power, unlimited energy to continue the surveillance program. Damn those solar panels. They're getting the best of us because they're so awesome. Unlimited power. It's crazy. What about clouds? Like Trump said, what about nighttime? Like Trump said, all of a sudden, Solar power, the holy grail of surveillance and spying. And remember last weekend, she uh, proposed something similar. It's China. Did it drop and disperse surveillance products powered by solar energy to allow unlimited surveillance? Yeah. Without any evidence whatsoever. Maria suggesting, you know, when they popped the balloon, when Biden popped the balloon, it might have released micro surveillance elements powered by the sun, which could in perpetuity surveil the United States. Wow, it's amazing. Such technology even exists with solar power, Maria. So solar power sounds pretty damn awesome. Now, if you watch Maria Bartiromo's program, according to Fox News, it sounds like solar energy is really the way to go. So, of course, we're sort of being tongue in cheek here, sort of being facetious. It would be great for them to just take solar panels and solar power 10 percent as seriously as they are taking it now in general, rather than doing their normal stuff. It's not sunny enough in the United States for solar, which would never work. Oh, it's but what about when it's cloudy out there? We just don't know. Just take it 10 percent as seriously as you're taking it now, and we would all be way better off. You truly cannot write this stuff. Another Republican. I'm not talking now about George Anthony DeVolder Santos. I'm talking about a different Republican who claimed Jewish heritage. And it turns out she's not only lying. Her grandfather was a Nazi. Uh, I it's it. What a world that we live in. Article from the Jerusalem Post. Congresswoman claims to be Jewish, revealed to be the granddaughter of a Nazi. We are talking about new Republican Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna. She has claimed Jewish heritage previously, and it turns out her grandfather, Heinrich Mayerhofer, and this is not the this is not like a Jack Mayerhofer moment the, when Bill O'Reilly got pranked by that. This is genuinely the guy's name. Heinrich Mayerhofer, who died in 2003, served in the armed forces of Nazi Germany. When he was a teenager in the 40s, you really should read this entire J Post article. It's wild, wild stuff. Florida Republican Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna was outed by The Washington Post Friday for lying about her Jewish heritage in a previous interview with the Jewish Insider. Not only is Luna almost certainly not Jewish, but according to several family members, according to The Post, Luna's paternal grandfather, Heinrich Mayerhofer, who died in 2003, served in the armed forces of Nazi Germany as a teenager in the 40s. Luna had told the Jewish insider, I was raised as a messianic Jew by my father, clarifying she identifies as a Christian. I am also a small fraction Ashkenazi. Now she's speaking ethnically, of course. The insider had interviewed Luna in reaction to the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene, known for her Jewish space laser conspiracy, endorsed Luna's candidacy. If she were anti-Semitic, asked Luna after claiming Ashkenazi roots, why did she endorse me? I in no way, shape or form would ever put myself in a position where I'm hanging out with someone like that. And so I just don't see that Marjorie Taylor Greene is that person. If I see it happening on the right, I'm the first person to condemn it and say, like, hey, that's not cool. I don't align with that. 
reminiscent of Hillary Clinton's. I told Wall Street to cut it out, which they laughed about. But now this is taken seriously. Luna has also invoked Nazis in her political rhetoric. In 2021, she tweeted a video insinuating that a registry of Americans who were not vaccinated against covid would be like the Nazi list of Jews. Um, This is very, very quickly becoming another George Santos situation as the lies are piling up. Now, some people wrote to me and said, David, you know, sure, she's a liar. But like, what's so bad about saying you're one religion when you're just not that religion? Like, David, if you said you were Baptist and you weren't Baptist, it wouldn't really be offensive. It would be a lie, but it would be offensive. It wouldn't be offensive. You really have to understand what Judaism is. Being Jewish is not just a religion. Judaism is a cultural identity. If you were if if you didn't convert into Judaism, you're also ethnically Jewish. Like when I did my DNA, it came back. Oh, David, you're Ashkenazi. That's an ethnicity. I could change my beliefs into whatever Mormonism. I'd still be ethnically Jewish. And there's a history ethnically and culturally, in addition to religiously, which has faced centuries of persecution, really millennia. It's an ethno religious group. And so when you falsely claim Jewish heritage, you're not only erasing the experiences and the struggles of actual Jewish people, you also perpetuate stereotypes. You're participating in cultural appropriation. So it's not like a harmless act. It is deception. It is a lie at the end of the day, but it's a particular type of lie that under undermines trust and respect. So George Santos, George Anthony DeVolder Santos did this falsely claiming Jewish heritage. Uh, Anna Paulina Luna has done it. And then lastly, there's one other wrinkle here, pretending to be Jewish and then exonerating Marjorie Taylor Greene from an, uh, accusations of anti-Semitism with your fake Jewishness is like another particularly disgusting layer to the entire thing. So it is not only Santos that is participating in these and many other lies. If you're curious about Luna's other lies, there's a number of articles about it now, which you can find ugly, ugly stuff. We're going to take a very quick break. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to the Spanish YouTube channel. What? 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 David, what are you talking about? Later on in the show, I'll tell you all about what's going on in Spanish. Did you know that every year 30 million trees are cut down to meet the demand of toilet paper in the United States alone? Here's something really simple you can do to fight climate change a little bit in your home. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper 100 percent from bamboo stocks, which keep growing forever. No trees are cut down. It's shipped right to your door in plastic free packaging. It's fluffy. It's soft like regular toilet paper. You're not making any quality sacrifice. And for every box you buy, real paper donates to reforestation efforts across America through their partnership with one tree planted. So instead of the toilet paper you're currently buying, which cuts down trees and wastes plastic, use real paper actively helping the planet. You can set up a recurring subscription so you're always stocked or do a one time purchase. The average American uses 50 pounds of toilet paper or more every year. Make the easy switch to real paper. You'll get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's R E E L paper.com slash Pacman. Coupon code Pacman for 30% off and free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. 
Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Zipix brings you a convenient alternative to smoking and vaping and the vape clouds, the ashtrays, the thing in your lip that people can see. I've seen that around. This is an easier and less messy way to curb the cravings and you can use Zipix just about anywhere. Zipix is available in six flavors with two or three milligram strength. The nicotine and the flavor are long lasting and Zipix has helped countless people kick the bad habits and they are bad habits. Zipix toothpicks are FDA registered. Their customer service is second to none. It is one of the most cost effective alternatives also, check out their B12 and caffeine toothpicks. See for yourself why so many people have switched to Zipix toothpicks. You can only get Zipix online. Go to zipixtoothpicks.com and get 10% off with the code PACMAN. That's Z I P P I X toothpicks.com. Promo code PACMAN saves you 10%. The info is in the podcast notes. There's something different about the David Pakman show as compared to many of the shows you might see from corporate media, which is that we are actually primarily funded by our audience and we try to make it really easy for our audience to support us. You can make a pledge on Patreon. You can become a YouTube member. You can support us on Twitch during live streams, all these different ways. The best way, the simplest way, the most direct way where we keep the largest share of every dollar that is contributed is through our website memberships. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. The perks are straightforward. We do an extra show for all of our members, and you also get our daily show earlier and commercial free. And most recently, you also get a soundboard that mimics my soundboard. Obama. You know it. Truth central. Pacman's a loser. We have a soundboard like that available to our members. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. I look forward to welcoming you into the membership ranks. Well, folks, it's the Trump laptop. Yeah, it's, you know, with all of these things, it eventually comes back around and really bites Republicans. We are now aware of a laptop uh, belonging to a Trump aide that contains on it 
classified documents. I know, I know. But what about Hunter Biden? What about Hunter Biden? This is really unbelievable. CNN reports that the Trump team has turned over additional classified records and a laptop to federal prosecutors. Wow. Wow. Um, The Trump attorneys also handed over an empty folder marked classified evening briefing. These are additional handovers, understand, still related to what took place in December and January. And it suggests CNN writes that the protracted effort by the Justice Department from to repossess records from Trump's presidency may not be done. A Trump aide previously copied some pages of these classified documents onto a thumb drive and a laptop not realizing they were classified, according to sources. The laptop, which belonged to an aide who works for Save America PAC, that's Trump's scam PAC, and the thumb drive were also given to investigators in January. Special counsel Jack Smith's investigation, which is pursuing criminal charges, possible criminal charges, subpoenaed Trump last May for all of this stuff. Folks, there's a laptop, Okay, It is not surprising necessarily. But in a sense, it is still shocking that after year after year and year out, year and year out, Hillary's server, Hunter Biden's laptop, we now discover that Trump had people working for him involved in the mishandling of classified information, which we knew already. But now we even introduce a laptop element into it. We need that laptop. We need that laptop. And former former federal prosecutor Sean Wu was interviewed by Jim Acosta on CNN recently. He said that laptop's got to be a part of this investigation. Listen to this. He turned over uh, even more of these classified materials. Uh, a laptop uh, has also come into the picture here uh, to federal prosecutors in recent months. It really underscores the enormous difference between what's going on with Biden's documents and Pence's. First of all, volume of documents, but the fact that they're still finding more and the fact that it's on a laptop is a huge security concern for that. So it really underscores why you really need a criminal investigation of that. Some questions in my mind still about why special counsel appointed for Biden and how come still have one for Pence. And the, and the laptop is a concern because, I mean, who knows what's right. in there. Yeah. Well, not only it's a concern that was downloaded, any classified information, sensitive information downloaded onto the laptop. From there, it's easily transmitted. It could be copied to other electronic devices as well. So that's very different than if you could say, hey, it's inside a room at least. We know where the document, the paper document was. But once it goes electronic, it can go anyplace. Yeah. Now, there's another element to this as well. As I mentioned, the laptop belongs, belonged to someone who worked for the Save America PAC. Those aren't, in, in a sense, those aren't even political arms in the operational sense. We're talking about a pack which just distributes money that is raised and figures out ways in Trump's case to funnel that money back into his friends and family and family members. So that is not even someone in the universe who sh- of, of people who even hypothetically should be reading classified documents. So the question we're quickly coming to, and I know many of you are frustrated and you've been sending me emails. When is Trump getting indicted, if at all? And I continue to say, I don't have any idea. You may all remember that for a period of years I came to you and I was almost in tears, quite frankly, 
saying Trump's not going to be indicted. I don't expect any indictment whatsoever. And if he's indicted, he's not going to see a day of jail time or prison time. I admit that in the aftermath of the search warrant being executed at Mar-a-Lago, my view shifted as to the likelihood of an indictment. And I, I thought, oh, an indictment seems more likely at this point. But I still maintain that Trump is not going to see any jail time, any prison time, even in the most extreme hypothetical where, where Trump is convicted and sentenced. It would either be a suspended sentence or a sentence to be lived out at his home. And that is thinking so many years ahead, quite frankly. I am now going sort of back to where I was previously. I just don't know that an indictment is coming. I really don't. And ultimately, if either way, whatever consequences there are, are going to be minor and symbolic in nature. Does it even matter? I do think it matters. I actually think indicting a former president would be a big, big deal. It also could really throw the campaign into further disarray, which would be great to see. And we'll talk about how that campaign is going a little later. But I share the frustration. I don't know that an indictment is actually coming at the same time. Trump might be indicted tomorrow. It's extraordinarily unclear. And in addition to that, there are so many different investigations which could lead to an indictment that it's very hard to know what's going on. I think the best approach is wait and see, live your life. And if Trump's indicted, we will all know and we will assess from there. I have something really good to show you. Dan Goldman is a new congressman on the Democratic side. This guy is a major asset to the Democratic Party. He confronted Republican Congressman Jim Jordan during this weaponization committee. Republicans, when they took control of the House, created all of these bogus committees. We're going to do a Twitter committee to look into big tech. We're going to do a weaponization of government committee to look into the FBI and all these different things. Jim Jordan, during these hearings, has offhandedly been mentioning that there are dozens of whistleblowers who are who know the truth about what went on. Uh, Dan Goldman, who's an attorney, actually confronts Jim Jordan and says, are there notes about these whistleblowers? When will you give us the information about these whistleblowers? And look at how quickly and easily Jim Jordan is tangled up into a rhetorical pretzel. This is so devastating. The way that Goldman schools Jordan here is brutal. And I don't know why Jordan would have expected anything else from a former federal prosecutor, an actual prosecutor. Let's dive right into this. This is gold on providing that to the minority. The point is, it wasn't special so much. It became the norm. With that, the chair now recognizes. Can I have a, a point of order? Um, has there been a lot of mention of uh, information and testimony that you all have received from whistleblowers? When are you planning on providing that to the minority? You could yeah. have been for the very first deposition, or excuse me, transcribed interview of the whistleblower. I was there when he testified on Tuesday. You're, okay, you're, that's fine. I assume, I assume you'll turn those over. But what about you? You talk about dozens of whistleblowers. When are we going to get that information? Remember, dozens means at least 24. You're talking about at least two dozen when they, when they testify, when when we work with I'll work with the ranking member on, on that. You don't have any uh, transcriptions of their interviews. We have the first one and we have the dozens who come and talk to our office. Uh, they talk to your office privately. They talk to Republican staff, right? And they're not transcribed, no notes, no nothing? The first one happened Tuesday. No, no, I'm not talking about the first one. <laughs> first one about happened the Tuesday. Dozens. The next one happens tomorrow. The third one happens next Wednesday. And we'll continue to do that. You just said dozens. Are you, do you have notes from those or they're just talking to you? To your yeah, at the rate at which Jordan's saying they're going to be talking to people, you're talking about a year before you hear from dozens. Chairman, isn't, isn't that how whistleblowers typically work? 
Well, it's how they're supposed to work. It's not how they worked in the in the impeachment that Mr. Goldman was a part of when that goes into ad hominems. Mr. Schiff said he didn't have contact with that whistleblower, but in fact, actually, he did. it worked exactly so appropriately way, until we're, we're Mr. Trump you're would not allow. We're doing it the way we're supposed to do it, Mr. Goldman. No, you're supposed to turn it over to the minority. When they when they ha- when they come and testify, you'll, you'll have access to the transcript. Like and understand what Jordan. So the point that Goldman is making is inquiring as to whether these dozens of whistleblowers really exist because they keep being mentioned in passing. And what Jordan wants to focus on is you'll hear from them when they come and testify. But of course, both sides have people on the committee. Both sides get to ask witnesses questions in order for the Democrats on the committee to be ready to meaningfully uh, inquire of these supposedly dozens of whistleblowers. They need information about them. They, they don't even have names. Understand that. And that'll that'll be mentioned in a moment. Jim Jordan keeps saying, well, you'll get information when they testify. And Goldman says, but where are the notes? Where's the information so we can prepare? The implication, of course, is these dozens of whistleblowers simply don't exist. Everyone on the committee will. You mean your staff is not going to turn it over to our staff? We're just in the dark. No, when the transcript is done, you will get the transcript. I mean, of the dozens of whistleblowers you have already talked to that came to talk to your staff. Supposedly. Yeah. uh, What do you want me to turn over there? Jim. Are the whistleblowers in the room with us right now? Can you see them here? Uh, did you, their names? Notes? Did you, anyone take notes? We'll, we'll be, I'll be happy to talk with the ranking member on how we handle uh, that, that information. Thank you. All I'm telling you is we will schedule each for a deposition. and we're That is not what he's talking about. Doing that. You didn't show up for the first one, uh, but you could have been there. With that, the <laughs> I didn't know now, about it. The chair now recognizes... <laughs> Goldman's a really valuable asset in this political climate. He is straightforward in his approach, but he maintains a professional demeanor. He has extraordinary attention to detail. He leaves no stone unturned in his lines of inquiry. And we all know the implication here, which is there is no evidence that these dozens of whistleblowers exist. We're aware of one supposed whistleblower. Remember also that the right has a history over the last let's call it in the Trump era in the last six plus years. The right has a history of presenting someone as a whistleblower when they're not really blowing the whistle about anything like I could call myself a whistleblower. But then if I show up and I basically say, here's the terms of service from Twitter and they were being followed, I'm not really blowing the whistle on anything, right? You can call me a whistleblower. You can turn on bright lights and put makeup on me and ask me questions and say I'm a hero and put me on Hannity or whatever. But I'm not really blowing the whistle unless I'm actually blowing the whistle. And so do these 24 or 36, I don't know how many dozens Jim Jordan, I don't know if Jim Jordan knows what the word dozens mean, but if these dozens of whistleblowers exist is a, is a real question. And if people exist who are going to be called whistleblowers, there's a real question as whether as to whether they are blowing the whistle about anything. So Jim Jordan is not the type of guy that can go up against Dan Goldman. Jim Jordan should be embarrassed in this way at every single hearing because he is a joke and it is humiliating. We'll have the clips I played for you here on our Instagram, which you can find at David Pakman show and on our YouTube channel. Search YouTube for David Pakman show. You'll find it easily. Are you tired of the same old off the shelf grocery store honey? Look no further than Manukora, our sponsor. 
The honey is made by bees that pollinate the native manuka trees in the remote forests of New Zealand. It gives it a unique, dark, rich, delicious flavor that you won't find in any other honey. It is 100% raw. If you look at it side by side with regular boring honey, you can see the difference. I've got my honeys next to each other on the counter and it looks very different. Manukora is also responsible and sustainable. All Manukora honey is harvested using traditional methods so you can enjoy your creamy caramel honey, knowing that the production was easy on the bees and on the planet. It's a perfect natural sweetener. I've been adding it to my tea and my toast, but because of the amazing complex flavor, I find myself using it in things I didn't even put honey in before, like oatmeal and yogurt and smoothies. I have to admit my girlfriend once caught me tasting Manuka honey right off the spoon because it's that good. It really stands out from everyday honey. So don't settle for the ordinary honey when you can enjoy the unique, delicious flavor of Manukora. Go to manukora.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman for a free pack of honey sticks. Very nostalgic to when I was a kid with your order, a $15 value. Taste the difference for yourself. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash Pacman. Promo code Pacman gets you a free pack of honey sticks. The link is in the podcast notes. You might remember that a few years ago, uh, the show got hacked and many thousands of dollars were stolen. We never got it back. It's a terrible feeling. It can happen to anyone. But a couple of years ago, we got Aura which really gives us significantly more peace of mind. And our sponsor aura is the app that protects you from scammers by alerting you anytime your info like email, passwords, social security number are found in data breaches. Aura also automatically requests removal of your info from search engines and it can reduce spam calls. Aura alerts you quickly about suspicious credit inquiries, like if someone tries to take a loan out in your name. And Aura's password manager makes it easy to keep your account secure to begin with. Aura also has parental controls for your kids' devices. You can restrict apps or manage screen time, set focus time, make sure they're doing homework instead of binging on YouTube. You can try Aura free for 14 days at aura.com slash Pacman. Use the free trial to see if your email password are already out there, you may be surprised. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman to try Aura free for 14 days. The link is in the podcast notes. There is an absolutely brutal new poll in which Donald Trump is losing to Ron DeSantis by 13 in the 2024 Republican primary. Let's talk about it. But wait, what you you like trust polls, man, or what? Remember that moment from my interview with Patrick Bet David in Florida a couple of weeks ago? Well, listen, I mean, let, let's talk about it, right? When we look at polls, there are three important questions that we ask. Is the pollster highly rated and historically reliable? That's an important question. Second question, is this one poll dramatically different than every other poll? If you have 20 polls, 19 say one thing and one says something else, We would want to understand why that is. And is there something in particular about the subject matter or the timing that makes polling on a particular issue inherently unreliable? So it's not about pollster quality. It's just about this is a really hard thing or it's a really hard time to be asking people about this subject matter. So let's ask that question. Okay, a new Monmouth poll 
has Donald Trump losing to Ron DeSantis, who is not even running yet by 13 points in a hypothetical Republican primary. That's 53 for DeSantis to 40 for Trump. Now, that is a hypothetical head to head. If you end up having Nikki Haley run, she's expected to announce soon. If you've got Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, maybe other people named Mike or maybe some people not named Mike, you are going to have different numbers. This is a hypothetical head to head. Now, let's run through our questions. Is Monmouth a good pollster? The answer is yes. Monmouth is an A rated pollster by 538. Uh, even Morning Consult, which is often used by corporate media, it's only a B-rated pollster. Uh, YouGov Yahoo poll, w- which is very much used as well, is a B plus. So yes, our first question: Monmouth is a good pollster. Is this poll an outlier compared to others? In a sense, it is. Okay, and so we can look at 538's recent Republican primary polls, and the results are sort of off the map. Uh, uh, not off the map. The, the, result, the results are all over the map. And so, depending on where you look, um, there's a, a primary poll from The Economist from a few days ago. That one has Trump plus 10, but there's a lot of undecideds there. Um, you look at a YouGov poll, it has Trump up two in Trump versus DeSantis. You look at a morning consult poll from about a week ago, and that one has Trump plus 18. So, in a sense, yes, the Monmouth poll is a little bit of an outlier, although you can find polling here. That does have DeSantis leading. There's a YouGov Yahoo News poll um, uh, which has DeSantis plus four. Um, uh, when it's asked uh, in a different way without other candidates head to head. So the general answer to is this an outlier is when the polling is Trump versus DeSantis only. It does seem to be pretty good for Ron DeSantis when the polling includes other candidates or it doesn't force an answer and lets you put I don't know haven't decided yet or whatever then it seems to be better for Donald Trump. And then we get to the third question I mentioned. Is this something we can even really get good data on in February of the year before the election? Yes and no. You know, valuable polling data without a clear field, unclear about whether Trump is going to get indicted, unclear what Joe Biden's next two years are going to look like and what Republicans are going to run on and what voters are going to want. There is a limit to how valuable today's polling data is. It doesn't mean the polling is inaccurate based on what Republican voters are saying right now. It's a broader question, which is, does this type of poll? uh, What is it? Nine plus 12, 21 months before an election well, and in this particular case, more, more like 17 months before the primary is going to be of some limited value. What this polling will do is it will brutally trigger Donald Trump and possibly explode this feud civil war that is building between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Donald Trump is still in the business of throwing childish tantrums this time unleashing unleashing the most pathetic attack so far on Florida governor Trump's governor. Remember, Trump lives in Florida on his own governor, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, desperate to find new ways to attack a guy who is defeating Trump in some polls, despite the fact that Ron DeSantis hasn't even said I'm running for this thing. He's not even a candidate. 
and he is ahead of Trump significantly in some polls, including the most recent Monmouth poll. This genuinely has the potential to put the 2016 Republican Party to shame in terms of how humiliating and absurd this primary could be. Donald Trump on the heels of this new Monmouth poll that has DeSantis beating him by 13, which we already talked about, has posted an attack on Ron DeSantis to his platform Truth Social, Truth Central, in which he goes after Ron DeSantis for wearing a blue tie when he met with Trump in the Oval Office while Trump was president. Well, not exactly. Let's take a look at the post from Truth Social. Trump posting a picture where he is sitting there with uh, Matt Gates and DeSantis. Uh, and oh, who is I forget who the guy is on the right. I feel so silly, but I forget who that is. And Ron DeSantis is wearing a blue tie. And Donald Trump says in his post, who is that in the blue tie being so nice to the president of the United States while in the Oval Office? Now, this is not actually about the tie color. This is about Trump pointing out Ron DeSantis, who now says bad things about me, used to suck up to me. Now, of course, to all of us who understand how politics works, we understand that that's how politics works. You try to get close to power. Uh, If you're someone like Ron DeSantis, you want to go to the White House. Governors love going to the White House. So, of course, you're nice to Trump. But Trump simply can't help but try to find anything to attack DeSantis over. Recall that last week uh, he went after DeSantis for this picture in which DeSantis is with some allegedly high school aged girls who I guess he, he was teaching. He was the teacher of and Trump posted. That's not Ron, is it? He would never do such a thing referring to grooming high school girls with alcohol. Yeah. Meanwhile, in addition, Trump adding to the embarrassment by tweeting trash polls in response to the Monmouth poll, which has Trump down 13. Trump tweeting about a premise poll. If you haven't heard of premise as a pollster, they're not even serious enough to be rated by 538. That one has Trump up 30 points. That seems a little bit difficult to believe. And Trump also posting a link to a Breitbart poll, which isn't even a poll. It's just a favorability poll. It's not an actual 2024 poll. It is all completely pathetic. And this is going to be an insane primary. Now, I want to I've been wanting to do this for a little bit. I want to kind of frame the next 21 months for you. If you have read Neil Postman's book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. I know many of you were like, David, you're not going to quote Technopoly again, are you? No, this is an earlier book by Neil Postman. It's called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Postman wrote this book in the mid 80s. I think it was in 85. And what Postman argued was that if we're going to do a serious analysis of television and remember in the mid 80s, things were moving from sort of a print medium dramatically more towards a visual medium television. One of the things that Neil Postman talked about is it's not just about the content of television. It's about the fact that television frames all issues as having to be or needing to be entertaining. Sesame Street, which is a great program, right? Sesame Street still implicitly is telling us learning should be entertaining and it devalues more difficult forms of learning that aren't entertaining but require a different type of thought. And one of the things that has become true 
not only in the era of television, but you could take Neil Postman's 85 analysis and make it in 2023 when it comes to social and online media. One of the things that has become a reality is that there is this expectation that the format of how we get news today, Twitter and uh, the way TV news is produced and online news as well. Okay, I'm part of this. We now believe politics should also be entertaining. Debates should be entertaining. And that's why primary debates and presidential debates have these one minute answers and 30 second rebuttals, 15 second rebuttals. It's not to actually learn anything about the candidates. In fact, it prevents us from learning about the candidates. There are other ways to learn about the candidates. It tells us politics should be entertaining. These things should be entertaining. And so in a sense, I am part of this. My goal is to work within the formats that are available to reach as many people as possible and tell them, hey, there are better ways to think through who we're going to vote for and learn. Okay, so what's the point of me telling you this? One of the things that we really have to think about as we go from now into the primaries and into the general election is that to really figure out who we should be voting for, what policies would be better for the country, all these different things. You have to exit the world of where it all needs to be entertaining. The unfortunate reality is, and we're going to talk about the strategy later or probably tomorrow in order to defeat Trump. And this is the point I'm building to in order to defeat Trump. Ron DeSantis has to do some of the things Trump does well. He has to be entertaining. He has to attack Trump. He has to be titillating and salacious. And Ron DeSantis is going to have to figure out how. It is a horrible thing that on the one hand, we know that all of this is terrible for the country. The fact that this is how a Republican primary is going to be fought, who can come up with the slickest insults in the entire thing? I would love to change that. I can't change that. And so when we are thinking through how Republicans are going to choose their nominee, Democrats to a degree, the same thing. But if Biden runs, they're not really going to be choosing. It's going to be Biden. It's going to come down to who can make their campaign as entertaining and titillating as possible, not who can propose the best policy on health care, not who can lay out the most sober and sensible foreign policy. It, it, it doesn't make a difference. What matters is, can you compartmentalize it, make it a snippet and make it as entertaining as possible? And that is how politics is done. And it's a sad and horrible thing. And we're going to be looking at this election through that lens. I'm going to do everything I can to really try to, 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 to do that because I think it has to be done. All right, let's take a quick break. We have many other things to talk about coming up in mere moments. One of our sponsors is private Internet access. Most apps and websites send tons of your personal information to tech companies and data brokers based on your IP address. They have a disturbingly accurate understanding of who you are and what you do online, even when you're using incognito mode. But you can put an end to it by using a VPN. The only one I use is private Internet access because it's the only VPN that is proven in court multiple times. They are not logging your activity. Their no log practices are even independently audited by Deloitte. Private Internet access also hides your activity from your Internet service provider, who is also usually logging everything you do online. Private Internet access is also lightning fast for downloads and streaming content normally only available in other countries. Private Internet access couldn't be more simple. 
Take a second to download it. Turn it on. That's it. You don't need to know anything about computers. Go to piavpn.com slash David to get 83% off. That's only 203 a month and you'll get four months free. The link is in the podcast notes. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you today exciting news of medical advancement. We now have seen an individual healed from his paralysis merely through the prayer of a Christian preacher. This now will allow us to heal so many people. I never knew it was so simple. Take a look at this incredible video of a Christian preacher restoring the movement and feeling in a man's paralyzed hand. And he did it on a stage which, with music playing, if you can imagine. This is John. Okay. He's an electrician. Four yeah. years ago, he was in a work accident where he got completely shocked. He lost feeling in his left hand. He said today, when you called it out earlier, someone has numbness. He said he started feeling a tingling sensation in his left hand. And in prayer, he said he started moving his hand in faith. He now has mobility and feeling in his left hand. Wow. It's been a long time. It's it's starting to do it. I feel a tingling. I think it needs more because these fingers are not going straight yet. But I got a lot more movement. Let's pray complete miracle tonight in Jesus' name. Pray, pray, pray. Let this miracle be done. Folks, pray harder. In the name of Jesus. Look at that. Do it again. That's it. Are you seeing this? Lord, touch him with your power. Let this miracle come to pass. The guy now has fainted. Lord, give him that grace and ability. But his hand is moving perfectly, even though the guy is unconscious. To close that hand even now. In the name of Jesus. Pick him up for a second. How shaken up about this are you right now? I'm tingling like I just got electrocuted again. <laughs> what is that? The, was that the wrong hand there? Well, this electricity's good, my brother. This one's good. Look at that again. Oh my goodness. Can we give Jesus a mighty hand of praise? Remember, it's not the preacher, it's Jesus that's doing it. I genuinely hate this stuff. Now, sometimes the the person being healed is a part of the scam. And sometimes the person being healed is sort of a victim. And and we've seen every scenario with this. OK, sometimes it's an individual who was never actually paralyzed, for example. Sometimes what can happen is th- there's sort of like a surge of energy. There, there's like an endorphin release. And you might temporarily think you're healed. You know, there's often like the ones who I haven't walked in 40 years and then they stand up and they push their their cane away or their their walker or whatever. And then it turns out they weren't really healed. They had like a, a, you know, just a surge of energy and they could have briefly stood at any point. But it doesn't mean that now they 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 can walk or anything like that. Um, But sometimes the person being healed is just out and out part of the scam. And it's all a lie, uh, as as I'm sure you can imagine. And I continue to say, show me a single faith healer who can regrow the amputated limb of an individual. 
that would be something that is much less ambiguous, although you could probably make a scam with that, too. Right. I mean, David Copperfield makes it look like he splits people in half. So you could you probably could make someone look like they're missing a limb and then it grows back or whatever. But you understand what I'm saying. Do, do something like that. Um, and then we might be able to talk about it. But this goes back a very long time. Preachers who claim to have cured people of afflictions and it's a rowdy sort of revival style crowd. And sometimes people from the crowd are called out. Sometimes symptoms are called out and people volunteer themselves. And again, you don't know if they're victims or if they're scammers or whatever the case may be. And sometimes there's a physical laying of hands on them. Sometimes there isn't. We've seen fake surgery. We've seen all all of this stuff. And of course, there's no evidence that any of it is miraculous. And again, we could test this. We really could. You know, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the way it could be done. And we all know that these faith healers would never subject themselves to it. But if you really wanted to do this, you could go to the faith healers. And you could go, OK, listen, let's make it fair. Give me the list of conditions you could cure that you could heal. None of them would say I can regrow an amputated limb. That would never be there. They would go, well, I can cure problems of the of the stomach, you know, stomach pains. I can cure and headaches and tingling, numb, whatever, get the get the actually get the list from them of the stuff. And then you do a controlled experiment. And then, uh, of course, we all know if any of these folks could really do this stuff. It would be immediately praised by the medical community. It would be studied and praised if it was determined to be real. Now, I know many of you will say, David, the Western medical community would never acknowledge faith healing because if faith healing were real, they would be out of a job. They wouldn't need you wouldn't need doctors anymore if faith healing were real. Okay, yeah, I understand the motivation claim that you're making, but the medical science community studies everything. You know, people like to say we we've never studied the effect of giving people high doses of niacin for depression. Actually, we have studied that. There's many studies about that. And I guarantee you especially the medical researchers that are not part of big pharma would be glad to evaluate and study this. And we would all know if it were actually a real thing, but they never subject themselves to it. So this can be dangerous in that some people accept it as an alternative to seeking real medical treatment. It's often fraudulent. It often is weaponized against people with little financial means. So they're there in the first place, maybe because they can pay 40 bucks to go into the revival tent rather than what it might cost for for real treatment. And that's a problem with the medical system, of course, which we've talked about. Uh, But let's rely on evidence based medicine. Um, uh, And uh, I, I don't know what else to tell you, but this is truly horrible stuff. Folks, the Spanish Channel is now live. The Spanish channel is now live. We have launched the David Pakman show in Spanish, or we might call it the David Pakman show in Espanol. You can find this new channel at YouTube. Now, listen very carefully here, okay? because URLs can't contain that little that goes above the N in some Spanish words. So you go to youtube.com slash at symbol. David Pakman, Espanol, not Espanol, 
Espanol. Okay, I, I know it's the best we could do with the URL. This channel is our next project to reach Spanish speaking American residents. Of course, everyone is free to watch. One of the things I hear all the time and experienced personally when I did the Spanish show around the time of the 2020 election is that there is a dearth of progressive opinion content in Spanish about American politics. Yeah. In Argentina, you can find a thousand shows about Argentinian politics in Mexico. You can find a thousand shows about Mexican politics. But so many of you write to me and say, David, I'm first generation, second generation, whatever. I like watching news and politics in English. My parents like watching in Spanish. We need something like the David Pakman show in Spanish. The right has tons of Spanish language talk radio spreading conspiracy theories about everything from vaccines to Jews and everything in between. Okay, so the reason we're doing this and it's not cheap is because it is necessary. It is necessary to do it. So tell people who prefer to consume content in Spanish that this is now available. YouTube.com slash at David Pakman ESP ANOL. Okay. If you want to help us just by subscribing as well, even if you're not looking for the Spanish stuff, great. We are under a thousand subscribers on this, but I think that this could be absolutely huge. And remember that we do fund this entire project. We have to pay for the dubbing. Okay. We have to pay for that up front. And it's at a loss because obviously the channel is just starting. The David Pakman Show memberships do fund all of the stuff that we're doing, including this new Spanish project, which I think is just so important and could be so important to actually electing progressive candidates. We need to be reaching the Spanish speaking audience. Uh, and it's an amazing thing to be doing. So super, super exciting. Now, one thing I will mention, people have already started to write to me and they say, David, you speak Spanish. You should be just doing this, all of the segments over again in Spanish. I can't do it. OK, I'm out of time for the day. Uh, I, I just do not have the time between all of my current responsibilities, filming the show, uh, working with our team to get everything out, short form content, live streams, running the business, the baby at home, all these different things. I can't also now start doing my show in Spanish. So I know there are people who would rather me do the Spanish language stuff. I, it's just ex, it exceeds the number of hours in the day. So that is not going to be part of the plan. But I think this is a really great thing. Let's do it. Let's check it out. Let me know what you think. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. A few people contacted me about the Circuit City stuff that came up during my inter- interview a couple weeks ago with Patrick Bet David. Here's one such voicemail. Hey, David, I saw you on uh, Patrick Bet David's podcast. Yes. And uh, I know you brought up uh, how you sold the extended service plans at Circuit City. And I just wanted to hear the story. Um, it sounded like you wanted to talk, tell it, and uh, he didn't really give you a chance. So I was curious. Thanks. Well, you know, it's not really one story, but it was absolutely, you know, I've said before when I worked at Circuit City when I was in high school, it really allowed me to develop really important interpersonal skills for quickly building rapport, um, establishing a connection with people, getting right to the crux of whatever it was that brought people into the store that day. It really invaluable skills that that I'm so grateful, even if Circuit City ultimately laid me off 
because they laid off everybody who was selling too much stuff because they didn't want to pay us when they switched from commission to hourly. But one of the most interesting aspects of it was the selling of extended service plans. And I've said before that at Circuit City, if you were reliably selling these service plans, you could make half to 60 percent of your income from the service plans rather than the products themselves. It wasn't uncommon. I'm going back a ways now, but just roughly it was and think about inflation. This was over. This was 20 years ago. It wasn't uncommon that if you sold a computer, you might make eighteen dollars in commission, but the warranty associated with it would pay you 40 bucks if the customer bought it. And we had all sorts of interesting techniques and ideas and Everybody always tried to be creative, but honest in order to sell those service plans. And we were not incentivized to lie because if there was a problem, the people would come back, that service plan would be refunded and you would lose the commission. So there really was not an incentive to lie. One of the things I would often do is I would introduce the idea of the fact that sometimes things break and it's better to be able to come back to the store than to have to ship it to, you know, Hewlett Packard or whatever. I would introduce it early in the process, and that made it so that it sort of sold itself. So people would come in, you know, they might be looking for a laptop. I'd say, oh, well, what? Why are you looking for the laptop? Mine crapped out. Really? How old was it? Uh, three years. Really? And did, did you have an extended service plan on it? No, I didn't. Oh, you know, if if you did, it might be covered. You might just be able to get it fixed. That was my approach. I wasn't coming up with any, you know, confrontational techniques to start begging people to buy warranties. I would just introduce it early. And by the time we would get to the sales point, I would say, by the way, I mentioned earlier that if you had had a service plan on your current laptop, you might not even need to get a new one right now. It's a relatively small amount of money given how expensive computer repairs are right now. And, you know, at the time it was much harder to work on laptops than it is now. So many of the parts were self-contained and proprietary. Here's what it is. And it, it really was was that simple. You know, there was no there was no big mystery to it, but it really was about establishing the rapport and building the relationship with people. Anyway, it was a fascinating time and invaluable in terms of uh, the, the, the skills that I learned there. And sadly, Circuit City decided no more commission. We see Best Buy paying people seven bucks an hour. Let's switch everybody to hourly. And then within months was out, was out of business. Maybe not, maybe like 18 months or something along those lines. Uh, so apparently the, the, the wrong decision. So that was the Circuit City story. We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Yes. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Let's make some money, Alex. Let's do it. We are going to talk about the, the reports that Nikki Haley is reportedly about to announce she's running for president in 2024, becoming the first what we might call major competitor to Donald Trump. Trump is going to lose his mind. Trump and Haley were friendly during Trump's presidency, but this is going to trigger Trump and it's going to be very interesting. We'll discuss that. Secondly, Alabama Democrats want to ban employers from being able to force workers to get microchipped. Why is this even coming up? I will tell you. And lastly, the college board is slamming DeSantis's Florida for what it is calling slander of the advanced placement black history course that has been the subject of so much controversy over the last few weeks. All of those stories and more when I am joined by producer Pat 
on today's bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. Don't miss it because it is going to be a beautiful bonus show. I will see you next time.